0: Welcome to the International Bus Podcast, brought to you by Wurpee. I'm your co-host Tanya Falkner, and this is the recording of a recent experts panel about the impact of COVID-19 on gaming, travel and translation. Without further ado, enjoy the discussion. Welcome everybody to this experts panel about the impact of COVID-19 on games, travel and translation. This event is brought to you by Wurpee, the makers of the Wurpee Translation Management System, and it's hosted by my colleague Robert Rogi and myself, Tanya Falkner. On today's panel, we'll be talking with you about translation and localization experts. We'll be talking with experts about how the current global pandemic is impacting their work, changes in their respective lines of business, forecasts, and more. For our listeners, if you have any questions during the panel or comments, you can write them on the right-hand side of your screen, and we'll try to answer them and address them as we go. This session is also being recorded, so if you'd like to rewatch it later or share it with colleagues, then you can do so because you'll receive the recording within 24 hours.
1: So we're super excited to welcome three experts here with us today, namely Sarah Buter, the head of localization at Gameforge, uh, Christina Racheva, head of localization at Skyscanner, and Richard Brooks, the CEO at K International. Right on. So we'd like to give you a moment to introduce yourselves and your companies and what you're up to. So let's start with Christina. <laughs>
2: Thanks for starting with me, the Invisible Panelist. Thanks everyone for the invitation and for being part of this panel. So, some of you might know me, you might have to imagine how I look and what I look like, but I'll also in the meantime give you a brief introduction of myself and my kind of a very quick journey of called where I am now. But originally from Bulgaria, I did my degree in Bulgaria and moved France to a master's in translation. And at that point, at the beginning of the master's, we were informed as a translator, you're only supposed to translate into your native language. And somehow that was almost like a revelation to me. I was not aware. So as a Bulgarian translator, back then and even now, not many opportunities. So that was a great investment at the beginning of my two-year master's degree. Luckily, during and after that, I got a chance to do a few, opportuni- a few internships in translation in different European institutions. And there I got a few more revelations. One is, as much as I love languages, the life of a translator is very solitary and uh, I really enjoyed the interactive part of work. And the second revelation was that I was a really, really slow translator. My overthinking models really take me ages. It was like, okay, there I am. I love languages, what should I do? I ended up living in Dublin, Ireland, looking for opportunities with with languages. And I saw this job ad for localization project manager. It was like really, okay, it has to do something with languages, but you know, back then, what is localization really? I took the interviews, went through the interviews, got the job, it ended up being an opportunity at Google for a project manager in the localization team. And it was a really amazing opportunity because I really fell in love with the localization, project management, management, the diversity, the dynamics that we see every day. And, uh, you know, as much as I loved it, I did not like the Irish weather. So after a while, I decided to move to Barcelona. And here I am today, four and a half years later, working at Sky Scanner. We've also had a great journey ourselves. Uh, When I started, there was three of us. And now four years later, we have a team of 10 project managers, five, six engineers on the team. And we've been doing really, really interesting things that I'll talk about later. So that's me very briefly.
1: Cool. That's a lovely story. Maybe next, uh, you want to go, Sarah?
3: Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. So I'm Sarah. I'm from Gameforge, located in Germany, Karlsruhe. So right to the French border. It's a really nice place, a lot of sun. And I started out as a community manager at Gameforge like now 14 years ago and this time switched to localization when i started in gameforge 14 years ago there was no localization department and uh, not tr- dedicated translators and stuff like this so i built that up all on my own more or less uh, having a big and great team at the moment of 22 people including translators internal translators localization managers and a lot of freelancers, but more on the processes. I think later on when we are talking about processes, anyway.
4: And uh, Richard, and then I was going to say last but not least, I thought you were going to say yes. That, no, first of all,
1: third thank time's the charm. Or, uh, <laughs> that a guy oh, guy. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. funny <laughs> clip now? Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. And secondly, thank you for calling me an ex- expert on flight. My name is Richard Brooks. I am the chief exec of a LSP in the UK called K International. We're, in, we're based in Milton Keynes, which is in the very centre of England. But saying that, we've got people all over the place. We translate a lot of work for the public sector, which at the moment I'm quite glad about. At the moment, not so much work for the private sector, different verticals. So we do it. Well, we did do a lot of travel and tourism. We did do a lot of retail as well. Well, that's uh, obviously been put on pause, should we say, given this uh, crazy situation. Me personally, I've been in the industry since I was, gosh, 20. So I guess that's 25 years. Hard to believe, I know, looking at this face. So 25 years in the industry, I've done most roles. I bought K International in 2009-ish, which was great. Part of, the game, part of that was I put a lot of money into commercial property as well, which now I'm sitting there thinking, do I need an office? You know, we can Again, we can debate that, can't we? That's a complete waste of money, isn't it? I digress. A graduate of Cranfield Business School. I've got a, an MBA from Cranfield, which is a small university in Bedfordshire, again, in the middle of England, not far from Milton Keynes. I sit on various panels to help various business schools. So we're developing various things, international sales and key account management and things like that and i'm also treasurer for ilia the european language industry association at the moment
0: awesome well Thank thanks for uh, introducing yourselves it's great to have you all here today so let's jump right in like we mentioned before we want to talk to you about the changes you have seen in your companies and in your industries but also in your jobs and the role that translation and also translation professionals are playing in all of this Gina actually mentioned this i believe last week on our linkedin she said know we're all experiencing this new reality and learning how to navigate through it while adapting to limitations but like in any crisis there are lessons to be learned and this is exactly what we're here for today and we also want to talk about this so christina we'd actually like to turn to you first and maybe you can share with us a little bit what has happened at skyscanner in the last few months and how you've been dealing with the situation since we all know that the travel industry was one of the most effective ones. Maybe you can share a little bit.
2: Yeah, sure. Very, very correctly, as you point out. Travel is one of the most impacted. Ease was, continued to be, and very likely will be for a long, uh, for a long time, impacted industry. And you know, some of the things that that we've did is really be uh, be there for our travelers and support them in any way that we can. So at the very beginning, as we know, you know, the situation started with a few closed airports and for regions in China, and then slowly countries or airports starting closing. And at that point is when we realized that obviously this is something that's, it's, it's just starting to spread. It's going to take to be here for a while and it's going to hit us hard. So what can we do? And uh, then we kind of rallied almost internally. We created this uh, sort of a, a campaign that we called internally supporting travelers through COVID, STC for short. And that was like a campaign that involved so many teams across the organization, marketing, product, user research, design, data scientists, localization, and really a lot of few others. And that was like, how can we support our travelers through this time? And kind of this campaign had a few streams of work that are almost happening either simultaneously, uh, some of them continue to happen. So the first was really, uh, obviously, everyone is feeling confused, anxious. How is this going to impact me? What does this mean for me? So it was, how can we inform, provide uh, reliable information to our travelers? So as part of that, for example, we created landing pages per country with information that refers to their uh, local government information, maybe points of contact. So in any way that we can help them form themselves. Another stream of work we had was how can we connect with our travelers in this time? We are in this together because we're also travelers ourselves working at Skyscanner and we know how everyone feels. And for example, as part of that stream, we had a letter from our CEO, Brian Dolph, that we, we sent out, translated again to our languages, sent out. Uh, we've had like internal initiatives to share with, with travelers how we feel internally and what our plans were traveling afterwards. Another stream was trying to understand how travelers are feeling, and that was largely led by our user research team. So we've had weekly post surveys in over 60 markets, I think, languages, and we've had thousands of travelers every week taking those surveys. And again, that helped us understanding their sentiment. How are they feeling? What do they, you know, feel like about the immediate future, the long-term future? And the last stream was engaging. Obviously, in this time, we don't need just content to inform ourselves. We also need, you know, to keep ourselves entertained, a bit of uh, excitement. And how can we support our travelers to, in we continue traveling from home? So I don't know if any of our listeners guys kind of social media accounts, but there have been some really, really good activities. My favorite ones were on Instagram. We've had quizzes around countries and guess the country or guess the, the food, traveling horoscopes, uh, Spotify playlists of different countries. And again, so all of those streams came with different content assets, content types, and, and all of those translated for all our uh, languages. So this is some of the, the work that we did uh, or continue doing as well.
1: Yeah, it, it must be a challenging time there, but it's, it's neat to see that, you're, that you've reacted and, and done some cool things. Let's get Sarah's overview then in gaming. Your company has been a little bit on the other side, like gaming yeah. has gone. There was a worldwide increase in video game sales of 63% in March, at least according to Statista. So did you have a similar experience there? And so what's going on at Game Forge since people have been forced to stay at home?
3: Yes, it's definitely gone up. I mean, our numbers are, yeah, I, I can't tell you exact numbers, but they are looking really great since beginning of March. We are on a top level right now. And we really saw like when the lockdown started for most of the countries that also not only the players went up, but uh, play time went up, which is one of our bigger KPIs. Like we need to keep the people in the game and we can see a big increase there. And we supported all this with uh, having extra events for them. Normally we have like maybe uh, one event per month per game. Uh, And we started uh, having more regular events and more different ones right now because people are stuck at home and they need to be and keep entertained. And we think that we are taking a big part in keeping the curve down and having the people entertained and not going nuts home alone (laughs) or in quarantine. So, yes, we definitely saw this in in our numbers that uh, the revenue and everything just went up a lot.
1: Very cool. Yeah. Games of like uh, travel only from your sofa.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right.
1: Right on. That's great. It's good uh... to see that
0: there's. Yeah. (laughs) And then, Richard, as the CEO of a language service company, obviously been on the forefront when it comes to the impact of COVID on the translation industry. So, what have you experienced at K International? Has it like limited you in any way or possibly even the opposite?
4: What's been your experience? It's been a mixed bag for us, really. I mean, I think first of all, as an industry, we're incredibly fortunate that we can work from we can work from the beach, right? So we we, we can work anywhere, almost. All of our systems are digital, and we we connect in anyway. I mean, f- physically, I've, I've got 40 guys in Milton Keynes, maybe a couple of hundred sprinkled around Europe. But I mean, to not have the 40 guys in Milton Keynes wasn't a major issue. We just worked at home. So it's a bit awkward because you're working at home and you're working in, as we can see, that it's my new headquarters in my garage and it's a bit messy and it's not not terribly professional, but it's it's the same same for everybody. It's nice to hear some good news about the, the gaming industry picking up. That's great. Maybe we should do some more gaming. I'll have a word with you later, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. uh,
4: in terms of sort of top line sales, I guess we're, again, we're fortunate we're only 20% down. I've heard some shocking stories from, I won't name anybody, but from some of my colleagues that lost 60-70% of their business almost overnight, which is incredibly, you know, psychologically it's difficult to deal with. I mean, so we've always had a, it's been a nightmare on, on our company, but we, I've always had it. So we have a mixed bag of clients. So we have a lot of public sector work, which is sort of low margin, low tech, fairly fairly boring work. It's, you know, it's paper most of the time and it goes through the system and it comes out the other end. But it's bread and butter and it pays the mortgage, you know. So stuff like that, the mechanism of government is still happening. So that is still, at the moment, that is still going on and that's still happening. So that comes in every day. What's been difficult is we've had some, I think, first of all, I invested an absolute fortune into the business. Secondly, we were hoping 2020 would be an epic year. So we've all sorts of stuff preparing for this awesome year. And obviously it's not. So we've had to sort of quickly, let's say, redeploy capital but my accountant is my best friend you know so you need to make sure you know exactly what the, the financial mechanics of your business look like and exactly what cash flows and things like that are that how they work in in terms of a business and what you know what will ultimately kill you I, I don't want to use that word but what will ultimately put you out of business you know you need to keep a close eye on that but we, we've we been lucky because we've got a mixed bag we've done some healthcare projects for uk government which obviously that is literally write your own check. We'll put them through. Whatever you want to charge us, we'll pay because it's important. So we've done a lot of research from, from Japanese and, and Russian into English for the for the work they're doing on the vaccine. So that's great. Uh, but then the, the, the corporate work, it's really difficult to actually get a decision on a large project at the moment. People are like, next month, let's just wait and see. Next month, next month. And then mm-hmm. obviously sectors like we do a tiny bit of automotive. We do a bit of travel and tourism all that's just like we've just go away we've we've not got the budget until you know god knows when so yeah a mixed bag 20 percent down can survive that not scared about the business i'm gutted because we were going to grow at 20 30 40 percent this year you know so we've put pulled, we've gone all in all the chips on black sort of thing and obviously that's not happened so um but we are incredibly fortunate that we can still operate we're not a pub or Starbucks or McDonald's or, you know, where we've just shut. We've done yeah. business and we've done some deals, which is great, you know, incredibly grateful for the team. And I think it's a, a great show of sort of human resilience, really, that people can work from home. They can pick up a laptop and get on with it. So there's questions that I, I guess you could ask me in a minute. Well, there's, there's questions there <laughs> about, well, do we need an office? Can debate that? Should we do two and a half days a week in the office, two and a half days a week at home? Could I be anywhere in the world? Why should I be in the UK, which is quite expensive to live? Where I could be in somewhere a lot cheaper, you know, the money would go a lot further. Why is well, my pension pick tied up, up in commercial property? <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> sorry. So, yeah, it's been a bit mixed bag. We're okay. We're, we're, we're fighting.
1: So what's uh, – just to, to – you, you mentioned that you had stories from other people that were LSPs. Which LSPs do you think had the hardest time? Um, Like I know that some LSPs were combined with language schools and I know that they had a hard time,
4: but what were, without naming any names, of course. I know some guys that work predominantly in the automotive sector in Stuttgart Mm -hmm. and that has stopped. So that is their conversations. As far as I'm being told their their conversations are next quarter, next quarter, next quarter. Mm -hmm. And it's just literally the work has stopped. So that you would see if you worked for, you know, some of the big ones. That's just going to be paused for a while. There'll be some work because there's some work to do. But car sales have dropped 90 something percent. I saw the stat on the Financial Times today. 97 percent or something like that. It's crazy. Isn't it? At the moment, no one's buying a brand new BMW. So, except maybe in China. But I mean, there's very little sales going on. So that obviously has that scares the life out of those businesses. That they stop all, not just translation or localization, but they'll pause all expenditure. And that will be that for a period of time. And I know some farm, some companies that work for pharma and pharmaceutical devices, I wish that we did more. Doing 30% more and they've had the best uh, April ever and the best May. May looks great and the numbers look fantastic. It's almost like, you know, making it rain. Print your own invoices, let's get them in. That's wonderful, but who knew this was going to happen? I guess that'll, mm. that'll be crazy for a bit and then it'll come back. We'd, we'd hope that the economy goes back to normal. We'll find out. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, stay tuned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we just started on this already with like on, on the impact on the translation industry. Now, Christina and Sarah, you're both in head of localization positions. So how did your teams, what role did your teams play um, during the change? Maybe, you know, have your workloads changed or your processes? What's happened in your localization teams?
3: Nothing. I mean, yes, we all moved from the office to home. But without that, nothing really changed because Richard already mentioned earlier. It's like our tools are all online uh, anyway, and a lot of communication is online anyway. So, in the end, it does not really matter where we are. I think Gameforge did great because it was like there was a decision made, and one day later, all employees from Gameforge were able to work from home it was like there was not a lot of big uh, preparation and stuff. Uh, Our tech guys, I think they had a sleepless night, but uh, they made it happen. And it was really impressive to get so many people to their homes and be able to work and was well organized. And yeah, but besides that, we try to keep up our meetings. Uh, We try to keep up all the information flowing, which is now even more in written, but I mean, that's good for us because sometimes it's more to translate. But besides us moving home, nothing really changed. I got some requests from our externals like, hey, there's this crisis now. Are you still going to pay me and stuff? And I was like, yes, we're still going to pay you. And I think we in the gaming industry are really fortunate because also, as Richard already said, we are still able to work. We are still earning money. It's not like we are in really deep in the crisis like automotive or travel so it was a a shock for the people because uh, we are not only co-workers but friends and we're missing each other a lot it's like we really started setting up coffee breaks wire video calls to just talk to the people but i think it's important to do it but other than that
2: nothing changed
0: Mm -hmm. christina how about you
2: yeah, well, for us, you know, in terms of how we work and where we work, you know, apart from the fact that everyone's at home, uh, that hasn't impacted us as a team, as a company. We're highly distributed. Our team is in four different offices in four different cities. But really, what has uh, been the, the biggest impact is all the work that we've had to do to support all these campaigns and that communication and efforts that that I've mentioned. And one hand is coordinating that was the effort of more than 10 teams working on all those different uh, communication campaigns and efforts. So us being being part of that work from the very beginning and, you know, that's a lot of content. So on one hand, having to to translate all that uh, COVID related content at the same time. Yes, we're in a crisis. Yes, we don't know what travel would look like, but as a company, we have our focus on our uh, goals and our product development. So we continue working on that. And coincidentally, we have like a few projects working also that was also a lot of content to be translated. And, you know, amazingly, we've recently started working with a new translation partner, and uh, like a big shout out. It's uh, translated from Italy. And they've been like really amazing to support us in this because, you know, they you might know they work also with Airbnb or other travel or tech companies. And everyone at the moment is creating lots of content. So obviously high increase of, of uh, volumes. And we didn't, you know, from the very beginning when we started seeing these large volumes for us content uh they were able to, to increase our uh nation translator base increased our resources on our account, and we've had most of the content was turned around within you know one day because all of this again it's it's pretty urgent content either supporting travelers that need some sort of information or just continued engagement uh, so it's has in a way impacted just in terms of having a bit of a bigger strain on our uh on our work and at the same time like the localization team, just as any other team within the organization, we have our own quarterly goals and OKRs. So, you know, at the beginning of the quarter, we've had our own OKRs. And obviously, we did not plan for COVID work to take over and to take away from our time to work on those goals. So it was a matter of how do we reshuffle the team and dedicate enough people from the team to work with those internal teams to to support them. And which of our goals for the quarter do we put on pause? Do we scale down? So that, that has been mostly the impact.
0: It's cool to see that although like in travel, the business is going down, but I mean, it, you almost make it sound like the content went up and maybe even your work, I suppose it was shifted, right?
2: It did, because, you know, as I mentioned, all of that work that we did is really to support our travelers. And it's almost like, you know, our commitments and our obligation to them. So how can we... First, find help them find the solutions that they need for those at the beginning who are really impacted with cancellations and refunds, and then just with human support of how do we go through this and keep ourselves uh, entertained and engaged.
1: Right. Do you, you mentioned at the beginning that you have 10 PMs, five or six engineers? Do you still have all 10 PMs uh, active right now? Yeah, we
2: haven't had any. Wow. They all. This we all have you know the whole team is still working and you know again there is as I mentioned, there is a lot of work just going on in general projects that we keep working on so that we still need our full force <laughs> to go through this mm-hmm.
0: So what do you all think like what went really well in your companies or in your teams and maybe what could have been done better?
4: I can start if you want. What went well was we can work so we're really fortunate. So I'm really glad that I don't own a restaurant or a pub. That's, that's really, like I'm really happy that a lot of my personal money is, is, is in LSP, which can still function and looks so like if I sit here now, I think, well, Q3 and Q4 will happen and we will get, you know, there'll be some sort of commerce going on. There be some sort of business happening, which is great. And talking to my friends in the industry, there's work happening. We're, we're doing stuff. The, the industry itself is broad enough. It touches all of the economy so you know there's stuff and there'll always if there's no automotive work there'll be farmer work to do and we can all we can quick we're quite dynamic as an industry and we, we can change and do stuff I think what worked bad if I look back then I wish I hadn't bought an office you know I'd sooner mm-hmm. bought right. what could I spend that money I mean that I'm not going to tell you what it, how much it costs but good God <laughs> No, it seemed like a good investment at the time. It's not anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. And, um, I wish I'd spent it on, I don't know, Google AdWords or something. something.
1: <laughs> why do you think, if If I might ask, like, why do you think you bought the office? Like, was it just because, like, like it was an investment or did was it a personal pride thing? Because it's cool to have an office.
4: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. So went. When you come to Milton Keynes, Robert, I will I will take you around the one, the wonderful sites of Milton Keynes. We will finish with the crescendo of my office. You'll love it. It's brilliant. <laughs> okay. Why have I got an office? I uh, I started my career in engineering, and we had a factory, and the factory made products, and then we transitioned into graphic design, so we needed a cool studio to do cool stuff, and then we ultimately ended up as a tra- as a translation company slash LSP, whatever we're calling it this week. So I think it's from that and I think it's throwback to we need an office. I resisted being in London because London was too expensive, which I'm super glad I've not got an office in London now, but Mm. um, we've got a nice office in Milton Keynes, which is a lovely advert for Milton Keynes. It's a lovely city, you should have come. But it's just inertia and it's the old days, isn't it? And it's why do we buy an office? seem like a good investment. Financially it makes sense if again I won't show the P and L but if I can show you the P N L and how the tax works and things like that then it makes sense in terms of extracting money out of an organisation. That's a great way of doing it. Um, and we were being advised to do that up until two months ago. I mean that's what any finance advisor worth its salt would tell you to do. But mm. I don't know. That's this just because we did and we'd have big meetings there and, you know, parties and all sorts and beers on a Friday and and all of that you know and the thing we miss is is, as Sarah said the thing that's been really difficult and it might just be my personality it might just be me but I miss going to the office I miss seeing the people and I miss sort of existing in that environment that's been really hard for me now whether we ever return I hope we return to that we have you know I love meetings I love talking to people and things (laughs) like that I love going to other people's offices and comparing nice yeah i love it i think it's a nice experience i'll come around yours and we'll, we'll have a beer and stuff you know it would be great then we come to mine we'll compare and it's a nice it's like around someone's house isn't it it's a nice experience i think but maybe it's just me but we, what i've learned through this is that we can get stuff done a lot quicker so a lot of the i guess the phone so we'd say the day would start at nine so we'd all get into work we'd have a cup of tea have a chat Blah, blah, blah. Half nine, we'd sit down, have a meeting. What are you going to do this week? I'm going to do this. And all that bullshit that we sort of get taught at business school, all that nonsense in the day, the amount of work we do gets less and less, doesn't it, I guess? Well, if we're working on Zoom in the garage, it's just like, right, I'm going to get on with it. I'm going to get it done and get finished. And I think to some extent, we're more efficient. And I think in an LSP, there'll be certain functions which are much more efficient. To be located on your own in the garage than being in an office and mm-hmm. all of that management bingo you have to play and report it into people and all the politics and stuff right, right. you just don't need it so i mean it was being good i've not put any fuel in the car for three months i don't even know if it still works <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> it's just got but cobwebs you, all over it
0: you actually Which mentioned a really interesting a point yeah but the when you talked about productivity, I think that's really interesting because Robert and I have been working from home for a long time, so we're used to it. And I've said, like, I think we both agree that like we're more productive at home than in an office. And it seems you, you've had the same experience now, like Sarah and Christina, did you have similar experiences? What do you think?
2: Uh, well, I think, I think it's a really personal, personal observation, maybe your experience, because say for myself, Personally, I prefer working in an office. I feel more productive in an office. At the same time, in the current situation, working from home, I say I've been unfortunate enough to live on my own versus people who have maybe families to support, children, because, you know, obviously a lot of individuals and families have had their uh, kids at home, partners working while having to take care of the, the children as well. It's It's been very challenging. And this is also one of the things that have worked well for us, on one hand, we had as an organization no problem at all to move directly again one day to the other, uh, working from home. Uh, we've been working uh, remotely for a long time or distributedly for a long time. But, and it was, you know, it was surprising to see also that as we started doing that and as we went from week one to two and now end of month too, it's amazing to see that we've managed to keep our focus as well because there is this some sort of concern, how is everyone individually going to take to experience this and go through this and how are their constraints going to be? And we've had good kind of a focus, maintain the focus on the team, but something that as an organization, we've, we've had the support from the leadership team. It's It's been amazing to see from the very beginning, as soon as we started working from home, had this initiative right from our ceo where we call it your choice time so we have three hours a day every day the exact same block of time across the organization all offices that we can take these three hours and do anything that we need to do to keep ourselves sane and it's literally anything because for some people that's just taking care of their kids so that their partner can work and for other people, it, I need to go out for a walk if I can, or do a workout or yoga. And for others, is you know, today I'm fine. I don't need that. I just have three hours of extra work. That's undisturbed because, you know, no one's supposed to be pinging you on Slack and all that. So it's, and that Fantastic. again, is yeah, we've had that from the, literally the first week that, maybe second that we started and continues to be for everyone. Um, so it's something that's, it is like really cross-organization must super benefiting and super happy for for that opportunity mm-hmm.
3: that's really cool we're learning a lot which meetings could have been emails <laughs> like because uh, what uh what i said earlier like yeah you're coming in and then having a meeting and talking about what who's doing what and stuff like this this is just not done and if there's something some someone else needs to know then there's an email explaining what and stuff and not like okay, we first need to see when we maybe could set up a meeting. So stuff is going through the workflows way faster because we don't have to wait to find the meeting's time slot where everyone is available. It's just like there's an email when you have time answer Mm -hmm. and and it seems it's uh, a lot faster. I don't see any change in... um, um, in the speed of the translators, I think they are not that much uh, affected anyway, because of our setting at Gameforge, because they are working on their own and being as much shielded from the project managers as possible. So they can concentrate on translating like Mm. really, and that didn't change uh, for them at home, but uh, I see the difference for the local managers. Like they are not, that often in meetings though they are getting a lot more stuff done
1: do you find that people are taking like greater care with their emails too then like not just like answering emails but like writing them more clearly and organizing them with headings and bullet points and thinking things all the way through like is that what's going on
3: for some yes (laughs) some are still like this is this is it deal with it and some even started to Uh, create confluence pages for what's normally discussed in meetings and i think it's great to have it documented and stuff like that so yeah some are taking more time and others not and i see the issue i mean not that much in my team because the team age uh, average age is not that high so there are not that many people with kids um but those who do have kids do have the opportunity to, to like split their work right now. One who's working early in the mornings when his wife is taking care of the kids and then he's taking like the lunch break and stuff. And then he comes back later in the day.
0: But but it works. So, yeah, that's fine somehow. Uh, OK, I just quickly want to mention, because I see a few people um, virtually raising their hands. So if our listeners do have any questions, then you can type them out in the chat box. And I do have a question right here. So they're asking, how are you guys managing the internal team members who are not responding via chats or emails timely? Are you able to track staff effectiveness?
2: Of course, it's important to look at effectiveness and efficiency, but it's also important to to just keep ourselves, again, sane and healthy to go through this situation, to this period, whatever that uh, end time will be. And then at the end of the day, is how much in general is a culture does your company have to to rely and to have trust in your employees? That's if you're not responding immediately, it's because you are in some way focused on something else or because your personal uh, judgment and call so it's definitely something that we are not doing right now or we have never done again we've worked a lot we in general as a company as well we have very very flexible work from home policy so anyone can work from home at any time uh so it's uh it's something that's again is part of our culture
4: yeah i think it's quite it's quite easy to see people's output so not that fussed i think generally speaking people have been really grateful that we've just gone like we said, it was almost one day's notice in the UK. It was like the Prime Minister came on the telly, uh, the country's closed, and that, that's it. We all shut down. So we just moved that day and it was relatively easy to do. Most of the team had a day at home a week anyway, so we just had five instead. And okay, I, I my rosy tinted spectacles on, but I think most people respected that and thought it was... Okay, I don't have any problems with communication, and we've got WhatsApp and we use Slack a lot as well, and you know very rarely use an email now, which I'm quite quite glad about, so you can see you can see the little green dots in Slack if they're logged on, and you can see if people have read your messages so um yeah, I've not had any experience of anybody shirking or not being there or not getting straight back. It might be because <laughs> they're kind of grateful it might be because they're kind of scared. I don't know if that whether that continues. You give it another nine months. I don't know, but um, we'll we'll see. But well, the, the team and the, the people I've I've dealt with in the industry, I many you know anyone I've spoken to, translators or project managers in in other LSPs or colleagues and friends who who own and run other LSPs have been you know they're working and it's kind of glad of a chat.
1: <laughs> so then on on this topic to like go back around to the that question you brought up at the beginning. Does anyone think we're going to go back to the office? like it was before like, uh, if this thing ends will it ever go back to the way it was or is it always going to be like this or halfway like this
4: or what's it going to look like for working from home it's got um, it's got to hasn't it please did i think the question should be does anybody want to buy an office um maybe sky uh, sky should relocate to milton keynes um well, yeah, we, surely that's part of us, isn't it? And human interaction and seeing people is part of us. And we're going to go out again and have beers and go to the office and have a good laugh and do stuff. Please. get I, the plane I, to too, too.
3: <laughs> I think it, it's going to change a little for Game Forge because before all this, we had a strict no remote work policy. Because I'm not completely sure, but there was like the uh, fear that people are not working or stuff is not getting done because uh, you can't just come around in the office and see what someone's doing. Uh, and I think our CEO lost this fear now because he sees the company is still running. So I guess it's going to change a little for Gameforge at least. I think I still hope that we are allowed to go back to the office one day if we want to, like uh, just being allowed to. But uh, I think and hope that we afterwards are maybe allowed to have one or two days uh, remote work per week if we want to. So that would change for Gameforge, hopefully. I can't uh, say it <laughs> in full. But on the other hand, yes, I guess there's a lot of companies, maybe the smaller ones, which are on the step of like, should I buy an office now or not, are more likely to say no right now mm-hmm. or in the future because they know it works even without a huge office. They'll maybe have smaller shared office spaces where you can have meetings if there's really the need to, to have a on-site meeting uh, because sometimes it's easier if you don't have like breakups in your internet connection or video and stuff. Uh, it's just something different because, yes, we are humans and we need social contacts. I mean, there mm-hmm. are experiments with babies without social contacts and they... Yeah, you maybe know that experiment. So yes, we are social people and we should be allowed and able to meet people even in the work space, not only like private. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there is going to be a change, um, but more on the um, flexible way, like you can work from home or you can go to the office and it's just Mm -hmm. more uh, flexible.
1: I guess I've been just my personal sort of prediction has been that a lot of corporate offices will, will start to look more like co-workings, you know, where you just uh, go in, grab a desk, uh, plug your laptop in or dock it or whatever to monitor and start working. And uh, that that's kind of the way that I was imagining things might go.
2: It also really depends on actually the discipline because, you know, for us as an organization, even though we've always supported working from home, working from your home country, you know, for people that uh, say like myself living in Barcelona, I have possibility up to three weeks a year to work from Bulgaria. But, you know, even though we've supported that individual freedom to work from whenever you want, also uh, we yet, you know, we still have all our offices. We have about 10 offices around the world. And for some disciplines, we've tried as much as possible to to collocate the team. So, for example, my team, we have uh, people working in Singapore, in London, Glasgow and Edinburgh. And that's within our team. Uh, but for other disciplines, mostly for engineers and software engineers, we've tried to have, say, a team that's working on our car hire product to keep that team in one location as much as possible. For example, most of the team is based in Barcelona and it's just because uh, the nature of maybe software development uh, and the the interaction is just to allow that interaction, that uh, discussion, that immediate connection uh, to be easier. So, you know, we've been kind of continuing with that model, even though we can work from home to having the need to have those, those offices and even you know we've always thought of should we have this office of uh, with hot desks instead of having a personal desk dedicated and again because of that just to maintain that team space and team interaction we've not done, done that in the, until now.
0: Yeah um, actually at, at WorkBee things will will be very similar to what Sarah described as well so our team has also made the decision to let people work from home even after the pandemic which is really nice. But they'll always be able to go to the office, like you said, because real social people. So the interaction is good, and I think if if you want that, then you should be able to go to an office.
2: One thing that we saw was, you know, we have an office in Shenzhen, China, and obviously that was the first country where they they imposed the lockdown. Uh, so we've had our colleagues from the office there were already from home working from home. I think it was the end of January after the New Year, and then slowly they started coming back uh, and opening the the. the social spaces there so it was maybe toward the end of March when the op- office reopened and it was interesting thing that they had at the beginning is like half of the office could work on for example Monday, Wednesday and Friday and then the other half can come in and work on Tuesday and Thursday so it's kind of the, the beginning uh, of the wave uh, was, uh, was the approach there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. there.
1: Well, it makes you wonder what we're going to do with all this extra office space now. (laughs) uh, (laughs)
0: Rent rent out half of it and share it with others or make half of it the co-working space. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so where do you guys, like if you look into the future, where do you guys see your industries headed? What are your top predictions?
3: I guess we are, uh, we didn't change any of our plans for the future right now. I mean, we're uh, licensing new games, we're translating updates, having events planned till end of the year and stuff like this. We don't really see any change right now. Uh, it might be that like maybe next year, depending on how this goes on, but as we are all working digital anyway, uh, it could be that we get less games Less new games because maybe uh, one or two studios closed down completely because they were not able to work because of different reasons. Maybe uh, they couldn't work from home or needed to close down. But I think for gaming, besides not being able to go to Gamescom or E3, which is canceled completely, if I wrote that correctly, uh, this year, I think we are going to proceed like, like planned. There's nothing really major in um, our business cases and anything, because the only thing is like the, the revenue is going up. <laughs> we we didn't like skip any updates or reschedule any launches or something. We we're just going on as if n- nothing happened from home. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, well, for us... Sorry, uh, no, sorry go no, ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 you, uh,
1: go. you go. There you go.
2: Okay um so for us you know on one hand the skyscanner uh, again the situation is not changing uh we're not changing our strategy our products uh we we have you know what we believe is that what the travelers need and our offering so we continue with our goals and our product goals as before of course what is travel going to look like at no one knows right now and one thing we know for sure is that people will want to travel again right because I personally know of so many friends and colleagues people that have had their weddings canceled, honeymoons canceled, dream trips so all of those people would want to travel as soon as they can Uh, and then others that's you know for myself I love traveling uh, but you know now I realize how much I love it and how much I miss it so I would even want to travel even more after that so of course Everyone we want to travel, but only if and when they think it's safe enough to do so. And safe enough will mean different to different things. I mentioned we do lots of surveys and user interviews. So, you know, for maybe younger uh, generations, it's they're not so concerned about safety and they'll be traveling uh, rather sooner. For others, uh, it's more of a concern. So for everyone in the industry, for us, it would be really... A question of how do we keep inspiring and helping travelers explore the world while we also help them make informed decisions and we give them this peace of mind that they need. Uh, So maybe for airlines, this is like how do do they ensure that physical safety? And then for uh, Skyscanner, how do we find a way to provide that relevant information that travelers need at the right time, at the right level of information? And something else also that we see as a mid-term change in travel is how far people travel. Again, from research that we've done, it's those that think that they're likely to travel again in the next three months, most of those say that they will travel rather in regional or domestic travel and, you know, much, much less international travel. So this is something that's definitely the short term will change. And as well, we know we hear a lot of people saying my country, obviously, every country has suffered in a way through that. So they would rather support their own country and travel within their own country. So these are like some of the, the things that we might we might see more of. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So we have some questions coming in here. It's a, it's a nice question, actually. It's, do you see issues in terms of the infrastructure at people's home offices, like uh, chairs, desks, internet connection? What issues have you seen there? And And then also, just by extension, like... In your companies, did you actually move people's desks, PCs, chairs, everything, or was it more like, okay, you
4: guys sort out, here's your computer, to sort something? That's a good one. I think we've not seen any issues yet. Now, I think if we worked from home for a long period of time, then there's obviously issues there around. I mean, the chair, I'm not sitting in a very good chair, and you know, see, my desk isn't the right height, and so. So that's fine, okay, I can cope with that for a few months, but for a few years, I probably can't. So I think that's something that's coming that we do, we need to be aware of. I think as well, if, if I was an employee, then maybe I'd want a, the company to buy my desk or chair or, you know, there's, there's that debate which we've not had yet. If we essentially put that cost onto the employee and the team, then hang on, as employers, as business owners, we should share in that capital or we should buy some of that kit, because that's only fair. They shouldn't use their own electricity and so on and so on. So, on. so th- that's a debate which we need to have, I think, if everybody's working at home, whether, you know, there's there's obviously benefits to, to both sides, as it might be, well, I'll work from home, I'll save money on, on the commute. So therefore, um, I've not heard of any, I know a couple of health and safety companies that have done very well about doing risk assessments for people working from home. I've not heard of any claims yet we've changed our own contracts slightly to include working from home as an issue and the, the, the team do their own risk assessment of their own workstation and things like that but i mean it, things are getting so silly in the uk that you have to do a risk assessment of the workstation and make sure the monitor's at the right height and so on etc and it's quite quite dangerous in in terms of legalities if you get that wrong yeah i, I think that's something that's coming it's something that i'm concerned about Let's let's put it like that.
3: So we actually did have people. I couldn't imagine myself, but we actually did have and do have a people which do not have an internet connection at home, like for private use. They just say, yes, I'm working online, and it's all fine. But when I'm in my private rooms, I don't want to touch any internet stuff thingy. So this was a major problem because, I mean, we need to work, work online. Um, but that was handled very well. it was like we bought some phone hotspots for um, like having a, a hotspot set up and there in Germany you can buy stuff like you just plug it into uh, and then you have internet at home it's like your own hotspot thingy I don't know how it works technically, but <laughs> we bought those for those people um so they are fine now uh, and the company paid for this um and yes we had the option like you can use your own computer if you have one at home you think which is feasible to do your work you can use your own or can pick up your computer and laptop and whatnot out from the office and we even had the uh, possibility for those who don't have a car but would need their workstation from the office at home that we had a car bringing them their equipment But yes, regarding the desk and stuff like this, I miss my variable desk. I can stand up in the office and work standing and uh, sitting down. I miss that one. And I really thought about picking it up from the office if we're staying in home office way longer. I'm not sure if I would be allowed to, but that's uh, one thing I'm missing. But besides that, really running smoothly for most of us, I mean, we're in Germany and normally you say Germany is like we have everything like cars and stuff, but we don't have good internet connections. That's the biggest issue, but that's the issue we as a company can't solve. It's like if you're mm-hmm. living a bit outside of the the city, your internet is going to be shit, but we can't solve it.
0: Tell me about okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in India. I know all about bad internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> so there is actually another... Good question here. Christopher says, right now clients know that companies were forced to work from home, but if companies shift in the future to more virtual work, do you think clients will become more concerned over data security in virtual servers like medical, government, and so on?
4: Yeah, in terms of security, yeah, I mean, we've provided all the teams with our own laptops and our own workstations, and they connect into our servers, and it's all, again, of. I've got no, no idea about the technicalities, but it's, it's all VPN and secure and stuff like that. And that was, we were sort of doing it anyway. So i.e., we had some people working at home on a, You know, some guys would do a couple of days a week at home anyway, so it wasn't, wasn't really an issue. There is some super stuff, super secret stuff we do where we need to be in a certain room. Again, it sounds like James Bond, but we need to be in a certain room at a certain time with people watching the translator and, and all of that. That's just stopped. I assume it's just mm. been paused for a bit. It makes you kind of a bit scary <laughs> some of the stuff we used to do. But
1: maybe you yeah. can get that going again with like a big glass uh,
4: shield or something. You know, like. You like, know what? Just, uh, Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope so. That, that used to pay really well. But so yeah, in terms of security, then uh, I think lots of the tools in the industry are aligned with security, and we have to keep source code on our servers and we can't run stuff in the cloud, you know, but I guess that's normal for everybody. And the, the tech we've got, I mean, it's an interesting debate. If this happened in 1990, you know, or 19 or, the, yeah, 1999, or something you know, 20, 30 years ago, whether we'd cope, whether we could work, I don't know what we'd do. I guess we'd just all stay in a cave for three. You know, it'd be like, sort of, we'd just go home, wouldn't we? But now it's weird because we work all the time. To- Bloody phones, we work all the time anyway. You know, we're working eighteen hours a day. So it's just an extension of that.
1: Yeah, I don't think the world was ready for this until about two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, thereabouts. Yeah. That was about the time when you could have a reliable video call with most people in the world. Yeah, before that, who knows what we would have done.
4: It would have been quite nice. We'd have had three months off. I think <laughs> I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame Steve Jobs, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so I know we've hit our time limit here, but if you guys have a few more minutes, then there's just a couple more questions. Is that okay with you? Sure. Great. So there's one more here from our listeners. She says, since there's great growth for the gaming industry, what processes, tools do you use to manage that growth, Mm -hmm. and do you hire additional staff?
3: (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I can only talk a little bit in turn here, but, I mean, we didn't change. And hiring new staff... Not really, because um, we we at Gameforge always have been set up this way, that we do have a set internal team. And then if there's a lot to do and like uh, some height in uh, um, like tasks we get, we need to translate like before Christmas or before Easter or whatever. Uh, we just level that out using LSPs and freelancers. Because of that, we are very flexible in how much we do or don't do internally. So we as localization did not get new positions because of that. I would love to, but (laughs) that's not not gonna happen. Most likely not gonna happen. I mean, we are gonna stock up if we're getting a lot more new games, but this would not because of the pandemic, but just because of our business decisions. I don't think that those two go together there. So nothing really Mm -hmm. changed.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. One more thing. <laughs> what, what lessons do you think we can learn from this crisis? Do you can you all share one lesson that you think you can take away from this?
2: Yeah, one thing that uh, I've seen and in particular looking at travel again, uh, it's more than ever like in a crisis, you know they say the crisis brings out the best. Or the worst and a person individual in organization and i think we've seen almost like both examples and in different companies it's you know the importance of how organizations communicate and support in this time and it's not just their uh, their users and their customers but also how they support their employees because if you treat your customers and you know mistreat them we've seen some airlines that don't respond to, to, to user queries, support them. Obviously, that will impact their, their brand perception, their loyalty. But in the same way, if you don't treat your employees right, it will equally impact your reputation. And I remember an example, was it this electric scooter company that apparently they laid off about uh, like a big chunk of the employees on a two-minute Zoom call to a voice recording, something like that. So obviously, every time i think of that name, i remember of this and maybe I'll never use them. On the other hand, we've seen, I don't know if you've heard about Airbnb, for example, but they've had to lay off 25% of the employees globally. And that's just, I think it was about 2,000 people. And, you know, they did it in the most thoughtful and considerable way that you can do that. And it really, it's, like um, it demonstrates their like their values the values that they they show for their uh, customers but also the values that they hold themselves for their employees similarly get your guides a germany based travel company again impacted by situations they they ask their employees how can they support them instead of you know having to look at laying off people and again at sky scanner we've had this amazing support as well internally so i think it's a it's a time that shows how do you treat your employees? How do you treat your customers? And then it's definitely going to stay in people's minds in the long term. And then how they would they go back to your brand? Would they go back to your services with that in mind?
1: Is Skyscanner, by the way, headquartered in, in Barcelona then? Or
2: No, we are kind of headquartered in Edinburgh until recently. Edinburgh and London are our biggest offices.
1: Right. I guess just one thing to mention that I, I find this kind of ironic. Like I really love this. Some of these memes that are going around, where it's like um, someone has to work from home now, and they're like, "Oh man, I have to work from home." And then there's like another panel, and it's like a translator, and the translator is like, "Welcome to my world." <laughs> so I, I, it's kind of bit funny, right? Like most translators have been working from home like all this time, and uh, and now uh, suddenly we're all joining them. Okay. Well, maybe I can conclude also with an anecdote. Uh, you mentioned your car. Full of cobwebs, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'm in Croatia in Zagreb. And <laughs> so that we're off restrictions now, and all the bars and cafes are open, and everything is like back to full speed or whatever. And the day that, that all the restrictions came off, like the car washes have been closed. There's a lot of outdoor parking here, you know. I think I was driving to get my vegetables. I jump in my car, and my car is just full of bird shit, just nasty, like dirty. and. I jump in my car and I get out on the road and it was a really busy day. Everyone else was out too because um, it was the first day and I don't I don't know where they were going, but the roads were packed and all of the cars were so nasty, just full of like <laughs> dirt and, and bird shit and like it was like <laughs> it was kind of funny. So maybe you have that look to look forward to. Yeah.
0: Soon.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I hope you have yours parked indoors. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I don't know. It's, 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 it's outside and it's, it's in the state. Well, right on.
0: <laughs> well, we want to let you guys go. Do you have any last thoughts to share, anyone?
4: I was going to answer the previous question about what have we learned. and I think um, it's important we remember how certain business reacted at this time. And if we look at business ethic, integrity and things like that, then, you know, the proof of the puddings and the eating, and we can see how people react in terms of crisis and in terms of stress. And I hope I'm sure that consumers have a very long memory, you know, in terms of in terms of what's what's been happening. So there's been some some superstars and some absolute fools, hasn't there, in, in this crisis? We can see that, and then and then move forward. And it, it, the only other thing in terms of business, then going to have a recession, maybe even worse coming up. Then only the businesses with the strongest balance sheets will survive. So there's um there's sort of a shout out there to, to good business management, I guess, and it, you know running a nice solid business so yeah
1: right on
0: yep cool well thank all of you first of all foremost for joining us here on this panel today and thanks to all our listeners as well for jumping in and for all the questions and there's also a lot of comments here now from from our listeners thank you all so much for for having this panel i think it was really valuable and interesting for everyone to hear yeah it was great talking to you all
4: you too take care stay safe right
0: (laughs) bye bye (laughs) Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the International Bus Podcast brought to you by WordBee. To learn more about our translation management system, check out our website at wordbee.com and be sure to subscribe to the podcast for release notifications. Until next time.